Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. All right. Good morning. Good morning. Fusion Church, 6 a.m. soap. How are you guys feeling? All right. We're almost, we're almost there. We're almost at Easter. Good Friday. Um, we got some awesome services, so many services coming up um, between both our locations. Um, really, really excited for, for what God is doing in the life of Fusion Church. Um, really amazing this past weekend with the with the, the egg hunt, not the egg drop, uh, both our locations. Um, I was telling the staff just yesterday at Cumberland County, we had so many kids and people there we were we were elbowing people trying to get through um i was like come on now let's it was it was it was wild it was wild so um this morning we are in matthew 27 uh verses 27 through 44 um we're there jesus is getting crucified and um uh, i i hope you guys um can appreciate the 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 road that the Lord traveled to get to where he was at this, this whole, you know, plan, um, this, uh, scripture. So plan that we've been going through, um, throughout this entire, uh, all, all this leading to his death, burial and resurrection. Um, and so we only got a few more days. Come on, let's, 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 let's press in to, to, to this and, and to this story. Um, we, we, we want to be very intentional with this because uh, we don't want to take it for granted. This isn't just a story. This isn't just something that some people made up, you know, 2000 years ago to, to get people to become Christians. No, this is what really happened. This is a historical fact. There's so many extra biblical um, readings that you can get into to show that this truly happened. Um, so I'm going to pray. And then we're gonna we're gonna get into it. Father, we love you, Lord, and we just we just thank you, Father. We continue to thank you for for the opportunity that we have that not everyone else has to 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 take a moment and pause and just dig into your word, Father, and learn new truths about you and what you've done for us, Father, Lord. I pray that as as uh, we go through this portion of scripture father that that you will just speak to us father you will just you will touch those those places in our hearts that we need to just pay attention to father and and so we just love you lord and we just thank you for this this time in jesus name amen and amen all right a stretch matthew 27 uh beginning with verse 27 through verse 44 and i am reading from the new king james version then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the, in the praetorium and gathered the whole garrison around him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. When they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they spat on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. 
And when they had mocked him, they took the robe off him, put his own clothes on him, and led him away to be crucified. Now as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they had come to a place called Golgotha, that is to say, place of a skull, they gave him sour wine mingled with gall to drink. But when he had tasted it, he would not drink. Then they crucified him and divided his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They they divided my garments among them, and from my clothing they cast lots. Sitting down, they kept watch over him there. And then they put up over his head the accusation written against him, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and, and another on the left. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their hands, their heads, excuse me, and saying, You who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests also, mocking with the scribes and elders, saying, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he is the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now, if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. Even the robbers who were crucified with him reviled him with the same thing. Amen. Amen. All right. Give that stretch. Get your bustelo. And let's get into it. So prior to this, um, in verse 24, um, Pilate had, uh, it's the famous Seymour Pilate, washes his hands, um, declaring himself innocent um, of Jesus's blood. Uh, Verse 24, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. This just person, he said, Pilate was admitting that Jesus was an innocent man. He found no fault in him. Right. And so he said, I'm innocent. I didn't do this. Right. But just because Pilate said, he, you know, the words, I am innocent, doesn't mean that he was indeed innocent. Because he allowed it to still happen, you know, to take place. Verse 26 says, when he had scourged Jesus, scourging was a legal preliminary to a Roman execution. Um, only women, Roman senators, and soldiers. Um, were exempt um, and soldiers, um, unless they had deserted, um, then they could be crucified. But women and Roman senators um, and and, and uh, soldiers were exempt from this brutal, brutal punishment of execution. You know, blows came from from whips with with um, many leather strands, and and each strand having sharp pieces of bone or metal. At the end, the back was was reduced to raw flesh, and 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 there's there's testimonies of of many many people um, dying just from the scourging, you know, not even surviving that portion. And 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 the the goal of scourging was to weaken the victim to a state um, just short of death. And 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 commonly. The, the blows of the scourging would lessen um, as the criminal would confess to their crimes. But we know that Jesus remained silent because he had no crimes to confess. He did nothing wrong, right? So why, why would he have anything to say, you know? So the blows continued with full strength. There was no lessening of the blows. And it's interesting that... Um, 
it says that uh, he gathered the whole, that the, the soldiers of the governor took Jesus. Okay. This was Pilate's own personal guards. Okay. These weren't, these weren't just average soldiers, you know, so, so it makes me think, you know, Pilate, if you're so innocent, why are you sending your personal, personal guards to do this? Right. So uh, uh, they only, you only really, really needed four soldiers to carry out this execution. Right. But Pilate had, you know, a, a massive amount of men. You know, it says the whole garrison gathered around him. A garrison in Roman times was around 600 men. You know, now we know that at this particular time, this particular place, um, uh, Pilate didn't have that many men, you know. However, there was still a huge group of soldiers around him. Verse 29 says, they mocked him saying, hail king of the Jews. And so everything about this was intended to humiliate Jesus. You know, we don't know um, if every uh, Roman execution, the soldiers went to the, to the lengths to mock and belittle um, those who were being executed because they executed a lot of people over the, you know, the, the hundreds and hundreds of years that Rome was, Rome was around. You know, I have a hard time believing that every single prisoner, you know, they mocked and they did the things that they did to Jesus. They did the same thing to every single prisoner. They didn't have time for that. Right. So why was Jesus, um, why was this, all this done to Jesus that we're, but we're about to talk about the way they mocked him, right? It was so scripture could be fulfilled because Jesus was not a regular prisoner. Jesus was arguably the only person who was truly, 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 truly innocent and sent for, for execution. And we know the, Jew, Jew, the Jewish rulers had already mocked Jesus as the Messiah. Matthew 26, um, beginning with verse 67, says, Then they spat in his face and beat him, and others struck him with the palms of their hands. Six, verse 68, saying, Prophesy to us, Christ. Who is the one who struck you? So he's been he's been getting mocked for hours and hours and hours. It says that in uh, verse 20, 28, they stripped him. When a person was crucified, they were they were often nailed to the cross naked, uh, simply to increase the humiliation. And but Jesus hadn't been crucified yet, but his his humiliation had begun. They it says that they, that he he was publicly stripped. It says they put a scarlet robe on him. Only kings and rulers wore scarlet because the dyes that were used uh, um, to make the fabrics that color were very, very expensive. The scarlet robe was, was intended as a cruel irony. They twisted a crown of thorns. Kings um, wore crowns, but not crowns of torture. And, and the, the, the specific thorn brushes of this region have long, hard, sharp thorns. It's not like a uh, you know, you get you get uh, some some roses, and they got the little tiny thorns that they they, they prick you, and you're and you say, like, "Oh man, that hurts," and you move on. Now these were long pieces of of, of thorns. This was a, a thorn that, uh, excuse me, a, a crown that that cut, that it pierced, it bloodied the head of the king who wore it. it. Says they put a reed in his 
in his right hand, you know, to, to be like a scepter. Kings held scepters, but they held glorious, ornate scepters that symbolized their power. But in their mocking of Jesus, they gave him a, quote, scepter. Um, and it was a thin, weak reed. They bowed before him as, as they would have a king. And, but they offered mocking worship to this king who is Jesus Christ. They said, hail, king of the Jews. Kings are greeted with royal titles. So, so in their spite, they mocked Jesus with this title of king of the Jews. It was meant to humiliate Jesus, but it was also meant to humiliate the Jews. Because it was saying, this is the, as if Rome was saying, this is the best king that you can bring forth. Look, look what us Rome is able to do to your king. We are more powerful. So, so this wasn't just to mock Jesus. This was to mock the Jews and to show who really had power. Charles Spurgeon writes, oh, that we were half as inventive in devising honor for our king as these soldiers were in planning his dishonor. Let us offer to Christ the real homage that these men pretended to offer him. Verse 30 said they spat on him and they, they took the reed and they struck him on the head. So now they shifted from just mockery into cruelty. They seized this ironic scepter and they took off the, the mock royal robe and began to hurl their fists at him at the head of Jesus. They spat in his face just as just for the pleasure of doing it. So another quote says, but my brethren, bad as men is, I think he never was so bad or rather his badness never came out to the full so much as when gathering all his spite, his pride, his lust, his desperate defiance, his abominable wickedness as he spat into the face of the son of God himself. It's possible for us and we do it all the time to mock Jesus with the way that we live. You, you see, see, we mock him with, with our fake worship. So we, we, we are also putting that scarlet robe around him. Our Sunday religion is forgotten during the week. It's just like us putting that, that reed scepter into his hand. We mock and insult him and even in our hymns and in our songs when there's no heart in it. It's interesting, you know, how did, how did the, uh, Matthew, how did he hear of the crown of thorns and the mocking? He wasn't there. Do you think perhaps, you know, maybe one of the soldiers who was later converted and came to faith in Jesus told him the story of what, what truly happened? the mocking, the beating, the, the everything, the crown of thorns. I don't know. It's a possibility. And led him away to be crucified. Verse 31. The march to the, the, the place of crucifixion was, was useful advertising for Rome. It warned potential troublemakers that this was their fate if, if they were to challenge Rome. And normally a centurion would be riding on horseback in front of the, the guilty person while a herald was, was shouting out the crime of, of the victim. 
And as Jesus was led away to be crucified, he was like, like most victims of crucifixion cr- forced to carry um, um, the wood that he would hang on. Now, the entire cross was about 300 pounds, um, but the victim only carried the crossbar, which was between 75 to 125 pounds. And he was usually, again, they were usually stripped and their hands were tied to the wood as they carried it. Um, it was not, you know, I know Hollywood depicts uh, the, the full legit cross that um, Jesus carried. Um, and that's really just for show because, you know, it, it, it just makes for for better like theatrics, but it was really just the cross beam. It's likely, and, and, and so, and there were upright beams um, where they were, they were permanently fixed in visible places outside the city um, walls on a major road. So everyone saw the cross beams as they would enter whatever city they were at. So it's likely on many occasions on many occasions that Jesus passed by the very upright that he knew he would hang on. Can you imagine that? We don't know how many times Jesus entered and exited Jerusalem, but can you imagine the son of God? Can you imagine walking? And every time he walked by, he just looked up and he saw the upright knowing that that was going to be his fate. Matthew 16, 24 says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. This is exactly the scene that he had in mind because everyone knew what the cross was. The cross was an unrelenting instrument of death and only death. The cross wasn't about religious ceremonies. It wasn't about traditions and spiritual feelings. Yes, we've made it as Christians, you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with the cross, but in that day, you know, in Jesus's time, no one, you know, there, it wasn't about any kind of ceremony or, or, or being religious. This was an instrument of death in the Roman times. The cross was a way to execute people. But again, in the past 20 centuries, after the, just the, the, the death of Jesus Christ, we, we've sanitized and ritualized the cross. How would, how, how would we receive it um, in today if Jesus said, walk down death row and follow me? Taking up your cross wasn't a journey, brothers and sisters. Taking up your cross was a one-way trip. It says here in verse 32, um, a man of Cyrene, Simon, and, and this man, he was probably a visitor um, to Jerusalem, um, a faithful Jew who was who was uh, celebrating Passover. And he came from Cyrene, which was in, in North Africa, about 800 miles away from this. And they made him carry the cross because Jesus just could not do it. This man probably knew nothing to, little to nothing about who Jesus was, who this guy was who's being executed, Right. But the Romans made a command and he had to do it. He had no choice. But we have reason to believe that Simon may have came to know what it really meant to take up one's cross and follow Jesus. Because there's evidence to suggest that his sons became leaders in the early church. Mark 15, 21 um, says, then they compelled a certain man, Simon, a Cyrenian, the father of Alexander and Rufus, 
and Rufus as he was coming out of the country and passing by to bear his cross. We go to Romans 16, 13. It says, great Rufus chosen in the Lord. So this man, Again, we have reason to believe that this, that this great Rufus we read about in Romans was the son of Simon of Cyrene who carried Jesus' cross. This man, Simon, who knew nothing about Jesus, the impression that this entire thing, this entire scene made upon him, we can, we can argue that it affected him so much that he became a believer in Jesus and passed it on to his family. Verse 33, a place called Golgotha, that is to say, place of a skull. This was a, a specific place outside the city walls. Um, it was just outside the city walls because no executions could take place inside the city. So it was very, very close. And it was at this place that Jesus died, died for our sins. He died to so our salvation could be accomplished. It was a, an established place where criminals were, were executed. It was a cruel and a humiliating death just outside the city walls. And, it, and we know we have that depiction of the three crosses on the hill. And that's not how it really was. He was, he was executed on a road, right? He was executed on the road. His feet were no more than 12 to 18 inches off the ground. So that people could see what was happening. Because again, we have, you know, Hollywood depicts it as, you know, on a hill, way up, you know, you can't, you know, that's taking place over there. No, no, Rome wanted people to be humiliated. Rome wanted people to see their power. Rome wanted to see what they could do to anyone who ever crossed them. So Jesus hung like any other criminal on the side of a road. When when uh, just uh, back in, in November, my, my wife Sandra and I, we were in, in Jerusalem and there's um, the exact location of where Jesus was crucified is really unknown. There's four separate um, sites that different people believe. Um, but the one site that um, I believe was probably the place was, is called the garden tomb. And it's just outside. Like literally you walk through the, the wall and you're, you're in this, this spot and you know, you're, it says a place of the skull, right? So we're, we're standing there. And the guide is talking to us. And when they had excavated this, this particular site, you know, in the beginning of the 19th century, um, you know, it says place of the skull. And when you look on the side of this hill, you can see in the rock face how it looks like a skull, you know. And he said, and so if we take this as, as, as being the spot where Jesus died, right? So that means on that road, and he pointed that's probably the exact spot where he died on the side of a road, you know, and it makes it so real of what Jesus went through and, and where this all took place. Verse 34 says they gave him sour wine mingled with, with gall to drink. And, and it, so it was customary to give those that were going to be crucified some, uh, a drink to, to numb the pain right to to, mun, to to numb the mind so yes they're they're going through this but you know it's dull a little bit you know they wanted to 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 lessen the awareness of the agony that that was awaiting them you know just let's, let's in other words like let's get them drunk right and that way they're they're, they're not going to fight us going to the cross they're not going to struggle you know they're not going to get away right 
But Jesus chose to face the physical and spiritual terror with his senses fully aware. He didn't want to be numb to it. He wanted to be, he, he, he was willing to go fully aware of what he was about to go through. Then they crucified him, verse 35. So we have, we have yet to see an accurate depiction of crucifixion in modern media, right? Um, everyone's familiar with the Passion of the Christ that came out a long time ago, and that's probably the closest we're going to get because to show the, the, the legit severe brutality, um, they, 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 they just can't do it. It would be, it'd be horrible. You know, it'd be a, a crazy horror movie um, that no one wants to see. And the Bible even spares us the gory de- the, the descriptions of Jesus' physical agony. It's because everyone in, in the time was well aware of crucifixion, you know? So by Matthew writing, they crucified him. If you lived during that time, you knew exactly what that meant because you've seen it. You've witnessed it over and over again. The Romans were cruel, cruel people. Although the Romans didn't invent crucifixion, that the Persians actually invented it, but the Romans perfected it. See, the, the victim's back was, was first torn open by the scourging. And, and when they were thrown, um, and, then, and then so that it was torn up by the scourging, and then the clothes were placed on, and then it was torn open again when they ripped the clothes off after the blood had been clotting. You know, so by ripping the clothes back off, off his back, all that, the blood claps reopened all of the wounds. They were thrown to the ground and, the, and the, the, uh, to nail the hands to the cross beam. The wounds were opened and, and deepened and they were contaminated with dirt as they were thrown to the ground. And while attached to the cross, each breath would cause the painful wounds on the back to scrape on the wood, driving the nail through the wrist through the wrist, not through the hand. It severed the meat of the large median nerve that's that's in the wrist. And, and this stimulated nerve caused bolts of fiery pains in, in both arms. And it often resulted in, in a claw-like grip. Perhaps this is why um, uh, pictures and depictions of this, you, you know, they, they, would, they would put the, the nails and paintings and pictures in the hands because maybe it was just they just they didn't understand you know medically what was happening to the victim but this was caused because the nerves and the hands were were destroyed by the long nails beyond the severe pain the uh, uh the major effect of crucifixion was was breathing was hindered the weight of the body was was pulled down um on both arms and shoulders and so um it tended to lock them in, into into uh, the, the the muscles in a continued inhalation state. All they could really do is breathe, but to in, to breathe out, they had to lift themselves up. And when they lifted themselves up, right, the nails were were twisting as the, as they were as they were trying to lift themselves up. This is horrible. And it was continual, right? Every time the front, the weight of their of their own body would would bring them down. They would lift them. They had to, in order to breathe correctly. They had to lift themselves back up. Death could come from so many different ways: from blood loss, from from just being too exhausted to even breathe, dehydration, a heart attack. Um, if the victim didn't die from the crucifixion, then their legs were broken, so that they would be unable to lift themselves up to breathe, and they just slowly suffocated. 
It's significant to remember, brothers and sisters, that Jesus did not suffer as a victim of circumstance. Jesus was in complete control. John 10, 18 says, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down by myself. Crucifixion is terrible to endure, but, but to freely choose to do this, to go through this out of love is, is remarkable. Can we ever rightly doubt God's love for us again? How dare we doubt that God loves us when he willfully, he willingly went through this? Verse 37 says, this is Jesus, King of the Jews. So um, and this was what, the, what they, they, they placed above the cross. Uh, John 19, 21 tells us that the religious leaders um, were objected to this title. They felt it was, it was false because they did not believe that Jesus was the King of the Jews. They also believed that it was demeaning because it showed Rome's power to humiliate and torture the King of the Jews. But Pilate wouldn't change it. He wouldn't alter it. In John 19, 22, he says, what I have written, I have written. That's it. That let it, let it be. In verse 39, as we begin to close, those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads. And in the midst of, of this staggering um, scene that we're seeing, this display of love, Jesus was not honored. Instead, he was blasphemed and his enemies sneered. This quote says, nothing torments a man when in pain more than mockery. When Jesus Christ's most wanted words of pity and, and looks of kindness, they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads. Significantly, they mocked Jesus for who he really was and who he really is. They mocked him as a savior. They mocked him as a king. They mocked him as one who trusted and believed in God. They mocked him as the son of God. They acted as, as if Jesus um, did what, what, what they said, that, and then they would believe him, you know, because they said, if you were the son of God, come down from the cross. As if Jesus, if he would have said, okay, right, because he's all powerful. And he could have called down angels to come rescue him. So if he just popped down, it was if they were like, oh, okay, now we believe you. No, they wouldn't have believed. They would have thought it was a trick. Yet it's, it's precisely because Jesus did not save himself that he can now save others. Love, brothers and sisters, love kept Jesus on the cross. Love for everyone was there, love for you and me, love for our families, love for our friends, love for the ones who were executing him, love for the Pharisees, love for the religious leaders, love for everyone. That is what kept Jesus on the cross. Jesus did greater than come down off the cross for these men. Jesus would rise from the dead. He would he would go through this punishment, he would die, and he would be risen again. Yet even then, with that ultimate display of power, that ultimate display of, of being the Messiah, of being the Son of God, they still did not believe. Brothers and sisters, as we close, 
What do you believe? Who do you believe in? Do you believe that this is just a, a, a story in the Bible or do you believe that this is what actually happened? Do you believe that this is exactly what that, that, that Jesus actually came down? God. God incarnate came down and died. The book of John begins with, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. Jesus was God. Jesus was, was here from the beginning of time. Before we were ever around, there was Jesus. And this man came down just to die for us. And imagine this, from the beginning of time, even before he said, let there be light. He knew what he was going to go through. He knew what he was going to have to endure for you and me. And yet he still went through it. He still created all of us. He created all of us, knowing, knowing that people were going to reject him, knowing that he was going to have to come to earth to save us. And he still did it for you and I. And the amazing thing is that he's still alive. And the word says he's sitting at the, at the throne of the father, at the right hand of the father, making intercession for us. So his work didn't, it wasn't over after the cross. He rose, he resurrected, he ascended to heaven. Holy Spirit is here now. But Jesus is still at the right hand of the father, making intercession for us, still praying for us, still pleading for us. That's amazing because the son of God never has never, ever, ever given up on any one of us. So when you feel alone, you're not alone. Jesus is there. When you're in your most desperate space, you're the, 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 the most desperate, you're, you're at, the, you're at the, the bottom of the well. Christ is there. On your side, on your behalf, lifting you up. And that is a promise that we can hold on to. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we just thank you. We thank you for your word, Lord God. We thank you, Father, that you endured a punishment that we will never have to face. We will never have to be crucified to save ourselves. Father, you took care of all of that. And even more so, Father, I think we that we we often um, don't address enough, Lord, is that that you endured separation from the Father. When you took upon sin, you were separated from the Father for that time, Lord God. Because you and the Father have been around together since the beginning of eternity, Lord God. And you still endure the separation from what you had always known. So, Father, thank you. You endured that separation so that we can never be separated. Father, I pray as we go into this, this Easter weekend, Lord that we, were, we, we will go into it celebrating, Father, what you did for us. Celebrating what you did, Father. And I, Lord, I pray that we never take it lightly. I pray that we never take it as just another uh, date on the calendar, another thing that we have to do at church once a year, Lord. And that, Father, this, this feeling that we have during Easter of, of thanking you and, and remembering and celebrating you, that we will take it throughout the entire year. Father, we praise you for what you're doing and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen, and amen, and amen. All right, brothers and sisters, I love you. I'll see some of you all this weekend.
God bless.